Well, today is an exciting day. Uh, we are literally stepping into our last week of our 40 days of community. And I don't know about you, it's been an amazing journey. How many of you have had a chance to connect to a small group this semester? Come on, let me see your hands. Awesome, awesome. Well, if you have not connected, let me just encourage you. Hey, it's the last week, but it's not too late, right? We would love for you to just plug on in. And I don't know about you, our group's going to have some food the following week, so you may get to come in for some extra eating when it's a part of it. So it's going to be really cool. But we really do want to invite you to get connected. And I want to go ahead and encourage you, uh, after the first of the year, we kickstart every year, January 2024. Can you think that we're talking about that now? January 2024. Uh, we start out the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And then after our 21 days of prayer and fasting, the 1st of February, we will launch our next small group semester. So if you did not connect or get involved this, this semester, I want to encourage you Come the first of the year, make it, make it a decision. Go ahead and settle in your heart. Hey, whatever I have to do, I'm going to figure out how to get involved, and I want to be a part of what God is doing. I promise you, you will not regret it. Well, this morning, if you want to look with me in Acts chapter 2, our theme today for our 40 days of community is generosity. And what we're going to learn today is we're going to learn how God uses generosity to create healthy community, and how God uses generosity to empower the church to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many of you know our world needs to be reached? Come on, somebody. We have a world that desperately needs the hope and the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. And the message of the gospel is the only thing that can and will transform our world. And we have been entrusted with that great commission to make that happen. And so God uses generosity to empower the church, strengthen the church internally but also to empower the church externally to begin to reach out and touch people with the gospel. Acts chapter 2, verse 41 is where we're going to start today. It says, And those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. And all the believers devoted themselves. I want you all to say that with me. All the believers what? Devoted themselves. I want you to see this. They devoted themselves to four things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. How many of you understand? We need the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. God's Word and the teaching of God's Word is significant and important to what God wants to do in the local church. They devoted themselves, the Bible says, then to fellowship, right? The gathering together, right? We learn in roles, but we connect in circles, right? So you got to get in a small group so you can have real fellowship, so you can actually begin to know people and learn about one another's lives. And then they devoted themselves, the Bible says, to sharing in meals. Boy, isn't that good news? God said being committed to eating is part of being a good Christian. Amen? They were devoted to sharing meals with one another. How many know there's something powerful about eating together? How many of y'all enjoyed Family Fun Day last Sunday? Just hanging out, eating, fellowship, and all that good food. Anybody eating any of that hot chili? I, I knew who it was. You could see them. They had smoke rolling out of their ears when they were eating that stuff. It was unbelievably hot. They devoted themselves to sharing the meals, including the Lord's Supper. We'll do that next Sunday. And to prayer. How many know there's power in prayer, right? We've got to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the teaching of the Word. We've got to be devoted to fellowship. We've got to be devoted to sharing meals, building community. And we've got to be devoted to praying together because prayer changes things. Look at verse 43. And a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. Look at that first point. 
So the Greek word in the Bible for community is koinonia. And it literally means community, fellowship, participation, contribution, and generosity. And we're going to drill down on that last element. We're going to drill down on how generosity is a part of community. It's a part of that koinonia. It's a part of that fellowship, that gathering, that participation. How that through generosity God joins us together and God empowers us then to reach out and touch our world with the gospel. Let me give you a simple definition there on your outline. Generosity is a selfless act of love freely given to benefit others. It is a selfless act of love freely given to benefit others. How many of you understand if there are strings attached to your giving, then it's not generosity. If there are strings attached, then it's not generosity. Generosity is a selfless act of love that is given for the purpose of benefiting other people. Now, let's just be really honest. Church is a good place to be honest, right? We talk about that a lot here at Liberty Church. The truth is, most of us, when we bless people, help people, serve people, minister to people, we have an expectation and we have a, 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 a prayer and a hope that somehow our seed, our generosity is going to make a difference, it's going to touch their heart, it's going to change their life. But at the end of the day, think about this, at the end of the day, we don't give in order to get. We give in order to give. We give because God has given to us. We bless because God has blessed us. We love because God loves us. We are generous because God has been generous with us. And there's something liberating and there's something empowering about living a generous life. There's something supernatural that happens in the hearts and lives of people when we begin to live out of a generous spirit that says, I just want to selflessly love people. And I want to invest in other people, and I want to bless people, and I want to help people because God has blessed me, helped me, loved me, cared for me, supported me, encouraged me, came alongside me. And whatever I needed, isn't it amazing that whatever we need, we find in Christ. And that in Christ, we are now resourced and empowered to share with other people the generosity of God's love and God's grace in our lives. So... Let me just say something real quick before we move on. So this is my pastoral responsibility. So let me give you some pastoral responsibility. We're going to talk this entire message about what it means to be generous and to give. Let me tell you what generosity and giving is not. Generosity and giving is not tithing. Tithing is not giving. The Bible says the tithe, which is 10%, literally the word tithe means 10%. The tithe, the Bible says, belongs to the Lord. And when we tithe, we don't give to God. We return to God what belongs to Him. So as we go through this message today and we talk about being generous and we talk about giving and we talk about helping and we talk about serving and we talk about sharing, we're not talking about tithing. We're talking about giving. Anything that I give beyond my tithe is generosity. It's a gift that I give to make a difference in somebody else's life. The Bible actually says that the tithe is supposed to be brought into the storehouse. The modern definition of that would be the local church. The church becomes the storehouse through which the tithe creates a place, right? God's, the tithe creates a place for God's people, and it is the provision for the vision. Y'all with me? So as we talk about this today, we're not talking about tithing, we're talking about giving. We're talking about going beyond just that 10% of returning to God what belongs to Him. 
and actually giving to others. So the tithe belongs in the storehouse, but guess what our generosity and our giving? Our giving can go in many different directions. As a matter of fact, God gives us the liberty and the freedom to choose when, where, and how we give beyond our tithe. And so the tithe is designated for the house of God, but our giving goes beyond that and allows us to reach in multiple places and multiple ways to touch the hearts and lives of people. Y'all with me? All right, y'all good? All right, amen. All right, there was my pastoral duty, so now we go on. Let's move on. Let's talk about generosity today. Uh, so generosity, look at this first point. Generosity enables us to care for and meet one another's needs. And I say this a lot here at Liberty Church. I believe Liberty Church is the most generous church on the planet, and you guys are amazing. So I want to just start out by saying thank you. Thank you for not only being a tithing church, but thank you for being a giving church that makes a difference. Over $10,000 already has went to Israel just through the giving of this local congregation and what a blessing that money is making and touching the hearts and lives of people. But how many of you know we don't just give corporately but we also have the opportunity to give individually to make a difference in other people's lives. And that's what generosity does. It enables us to care for and meet one another's needs. Look back at Acts 2. Look at verse 44 and 45 again. It says, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. And they sold their property and their possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, let me tell you what this doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that we all need to run home today and sell everything we own. <laughs> That's not what it means. But this is what it does mean. It does mean that part of being, being a part of a healthy, life-giving community means that we embrace generosity. And we understand that if we are a community of faith and we are family, then family takes care of each other. Can I get an amen? How many know family takes care of one another? And so what the Bible is teaching us in that New Testament church is when the New Testament church was started, one of the first things they did is they took care of one another. They shared what they had to meet the needs in other people's lives. I want to give you another scripture. Look with me in 2 Corinthians at chapter 8. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, of course, I do not mean that your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourself. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. And in this way things will be equal. And as the scripture says, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. And those who gathered only a little had enough. Now let me tell you again what Paul is not talking about. He's not talking about socialism. He's not talking about this equality where we remove all the classes and everybody has the same amount. No, he's talking about generosity. He's talking about living life in such a way that I understand that when I have enough to meet my needs, then anything above that becomes seed that I can sow into the lives of other people. When I have enough to meet my needs, then anything above that becomes seed that I can sow into the lives of other people. And Paul says, hey, he says, think about it. He says, right now you have plenty, but they don't have enough, so why don't we help one another? And one day they might have enough, and you may have need, and why don't they help you? That way we can come together so that no one lacks and no one does without. Now, the Bible is very clear. God, God is not a socialist God. As a matter of fact, the Bible actually says this. It says, if a man does not work, he should not 
Uh, you guys know that verse. That's right. He should not eat. Why? Because God does not reward laziness, but God honors generosity. And when we live with a generous spirit, we recognize that part of what God has given us and the abundance that we have in our life is not just for me. It's not just so we can build bigger barns and bigger houses. Nothing wrong with bigger barns and bigger houses. But the goal of prosperity is not so I can keep getting bigger. The goal of prosperity is so that I can actually give more to make a difference in the lives of other people. I've got a good friend of mine. He, he literally is a multimillionaire. And I'll never forget, he told me this one day. He said, Keith, he said, you know, he said, there comes a point when more money doesn't mean anything. Because you can only spend what you can spend and you can only live like you would live. And he and his wife, they made a decision years ago. They were going to live a moderate life. They live a well life, a good life, but they live a moderate life. They could buy anything they wanted to buy, but they live in moderation. And they are very generous, caring, compassionate people. And he said, Keith, there comes a point when more money doesn't even make a difference. And so all of a sudden you begin to recognize, and I want to just share this with you. The quality of your life, I want you to hear this, is not determined by your earnings. The quality of your life is determined by your giving. The quality of your life is not determined by your earnings. See, the lie in the American culture is if I just had more, if I had more money, more money, more money, more money, more money, more money, more money. If I could just make more money, I need a side hustle. I need three side hustles because I need to make more money. If I just had more money, we'd be happy. And if I just had more money, we'd be this. And if I just had more money, everything would be wonderful. Well, the key to more money is not making more money. The key to more money is really managing the money you have. Because if you don't manage your $5, you won't manage $500, you won't manage $5,000, and you won't manage $5 million. The key to prosperity is money management, not more money. And the key to raising the quality of your life is not raising what you earn, it's raising what you give. Because let me tell you what I've never seen. I've never seen a miserable, generous person. <laughs> when you find a generous person that lives to give, you know what you'll find? You'll find somebody that lives with joy. The quality of their life is out the roof. They are excited about living their life, not because of their earnings. They're excited about living their life because of their giving. And all of a sudden, they've tapped into the secret of kingdom wealth. And that is that we become generous people that know how to give and raise the bar of our living through our giving. Can I get an amen? So... I want to do something this morning. I want to ask Stephen and Susie Amundsen if they would to come. And Stephen and Susie are going to share their testimonies this morning. And we asked them to share with us why community matters to you. And uh, Stephen and Susie, they are our children's ministers here at the church. Come on, give them a great round of applause. And, and you're going to hear some awesome stories as they kind of compliment one another today in how community has impacted their lives. Love you guys. So as, as Pastor Keith said, is it not working? Okay. All right. So as Pastor Keith said, I'm Stephen, and this is my wife Susie, and this is why community matters to me. So community, I can't speak today. Community is important to me because there's nothing like having people around you who love you and care for you, especially in the highs and lows of life. To know that there are truly people who are there for you to learn and help carry you through. The first thing that popped in my mind when I was asked to do this 
was when my sister had passed away from a drug overdose. At that time, I was still in active addiction, and I had been through an encounter uh, that previous October, but wasn't really a member of Liberty. I just kind of kept showing up. I was participating in the GROW classes, which was in my very first small group experience, and I will never forget the love and compassion from the people who were really strangers to me, and I was strangers to them. I will never forget pulling up to my house and seeing Pastor Keith and Chris McCorder in my driveway waiting on me. Now, this doesn't sound extraordinarily special, but they just so happened to be on Encounter Saturday. If anyone has been in an encounter, you know how busy Pastor Keith is, and I remember thinking, what in the world is he here for? Turns out he was here just to simply pray with me and my parents, but that really shook me to my core. Why would anybody take time from such an important weekend and use what little free time he had just to pray for a drug addict and his parents? You know what? I didn't care because in that moment I felt seen, I felt loved, and I felt like my family and I mattered. More importantly, I didn't feel alone. This was just the beginning. In the days that followed, I had people from my small group checking on me asking if I need anything. People I didn't even know were showing up with food and feeding my family and me in my time of need. This left a huge impression on me. I just didn't understand, but there was no doubt that I felt loved and knew that I wanted to be a part of this. People from small groups showed up at the funeral to support my, me and my family, and it was awesome. I really don't have the words to express how important the community that lifted me up and carried me was. They picked me up when I was down and showed me that I can stand when my world was crumbling around me. Since then, I have become more involved with Liberty and became friends with most of those people. This community became my family and has continued to be there for me time and time again. And this is why community matters to me. So had Stephen not seen Liberty community show up the way that it did, we would probably not be here today. I'm not sure. Um, I know that the life event um, that he had was changing to him and Liberty showing up made a huge difference. The way that they loved him in his hardest moment of life, he began to believe that there was more out there than life that he'd been living. Fast forward to a few years to 2021 when Stephen and I were in Chicago suburbs looking to move south. We had looked several places in a few different states, but we kept coming back to Arab, Alabama. I was not sure that small town living, especially in Stephen's hometown, is where I wanted to be, but God. He kept stirring in both of us that there was already a built-in community there. We would have a church family, a home, a church home, and friends. God was making it very clear to us that Arab Alabama was the community we belonged to, and it meant, and it was, we were meant to be a bigger part of it. Within the first few weeks of being there, the girls and I were at Walmart checking out when Curtis Snyder came up and greeted us. All three of us by name. I could not believe it. He knew our name and we had only been there a few weeks. This may not seem like a big deal to everyone, but to put it in perspective, I was part of a larger church for many years. I was very involved and I even co-directed the Cubby Awana program. I can say for certainty that the head pastor nor the elders or staff of the church could call me by name. I was just a face in the crowd. At that moment in Walmart, I knew where we were home. Fast forward again to February of 2023, Stephen was diagnosed with stage 2 testicular cancer. The outlook was promising, but the road ahead would be very difficult. Lots of doctor appointments, surgery, chemo, and more doctor appointments. While Stephen was confident that everything would work out just fine, I was not so. I felt that there was a lot on my plate already, and the load had just gotten heavier. 
I honestly was not sure how we were going to carry the load myself. I am the person that will be there for you in a heartbeat, and will not, but I will not ask for help myself. I love to bless others in their time of need and would give them a hard time if they resisted, but I am the one that will resist a blessing in my time of need. But God. He had other plans. He humbled me in a way that only he could. Our community showed up and showed up big. Our church family, our homeschool co-op family, our friends and family from near and far showed up and showed out. Meals were brought. Notes of encouragement were delivered. Donations were given. Child care was provided. Rides were given. Prayers were ongoing and never-ending, and the list goes on. If we had a need, our Liberty family was there to meet it. We would not have survived and thrived without our community. So much so that in the midst of our valley, we were still able to show up for others in their time of need. We were able to bless others while being blessed ourselves. I know God works for all things for his glory. We are so thankful and beyond blessed to have a community that is there regardless of the situation. I can't imagine doing life without our community. All right, let me ask you a question before you go. So you guys have a beautiful family, a growing family, and God's doing some amazing things. So how has community helped shape your family? So um, community has helped shape our family in many ways. Um, before we moved here, we actually had a prayer uh, that the Lord kind of put on our hearts that we would like to adopt a middle school child. And just through the community that we um, got involved in when we came back, um, Lord provided. We, we have now adopted a middle school child. Um, we, uh, the Lord has provided um, awesome grandparents to us that we had prayed for because we didn't have that when we moved here, and we do now. So um, we're just very grateful for that. We are also, um, it showed our, um, our children that community is there regardless. So they never went without. They were never felt like they were left behind. Um, people included them in things. They um, babysat for us and would take them and do special things. And they got to spend quality time with people that had we not been going through this, they would have not seen and been a part of. So it kind of showed our girls that regardless of the situation, God is there and your community is there. Amen. Let's give them a round of applause. Love you guys. Thank y'all so much. And let me tell you, our kids are in some great hands. Stephen and Susie do an awesome job leading our children's ministry. We've got an amazing team of people back there, and what a blessing that is. But what I love about their story is you listen to all the different aspects of it. Um, throughout their entire story, everything was connected through generosity. Somebody was given their time, their talent, their treasure, their resources, their ability, their, their lives just to make a difference in somebody else's life. And, and as I was listening to them, uh, I thought about the idea that maybe you're sitting here today and maybe you think, you know what, Pastor Keith, I, I, maybe I've been through some tough stuff and I didn't experience that. Maybe I've been a part of the church for a little while and I, I really never experienced that kind of community. Let me encourage you in this. Let me tell you something powerful about community. and Let, let me give you a, an important understanding. Community requires connection on both sides. If you don't feel like you're being cared for in community, then, then I want to give you a question to ask yourself. Who are you caring for in community? Who are you caring for in community? Because that's how you know you're really connected to community. 
It's not just because people are caring for you. You know you're connected to community because you are caring for other people. And here's what I found out. When you are connected at that degree where you're caring for other people, then when you come to a point of need, guess what? There will always be people to care for you. So let me encourage you. Wherever you're at in that element of connection and community, take that next step. Get connected. I mean, really begin to care for people. Don't just wave at people. Don't just greet people on Sunday morning. Don't just even learn their name. That's the first step. But, but why don't we start really caring for one another? What I've loved about our small group campaign this year, the 40 Days of Community, is that it's really challenged us to, to reach out and it's challenged us to reach in. It's challenged us to look around us, look around the room and say, who's in my little circle that I can care for and how can we come together as a group and show the love and the grace of Jesus Christ to the people that we're in community with And so let me encourage you begin your connection to community by not asking who's caring for me begin your connection to community by asking God who can I care for and how can I show them the love that you show me all right Let's look at that next point. Generosity. Why is it so powerful? It's so powerful because generosity breaks the stronghold of greed, which is the love of money. Generosity empowers us to be free and fruitful in the kingdom of God. Let, let me just say this to you today. The only way to know that you are not bound by greed is to be generous. The only way to know that you're not bound by greed is to be generous. How do I know that I'm not being ruled by the love of money? I know I'm not being ruled by the love of money because I love to use money to help other people. I'm not just blessing me and my own. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. Kelly and I, we got four grandkids. We got a granddaughter, four grandsons, and a granddaughter on the way in December. We love our family. We love our grandkids, right? We had a little date night the other night, and we went to the thrift store. Boy, that's romantic, right? We went to the thrift store on our date night, and we bought toys for the grandboys, right? I mean, it was so much fun, right? We're in there, and all we can think about is, oh, did you see this, right? We go right back to the toy section. And we love to bless our kids and we love to bless our grandkids. But how many of you understand, generosity has got to go beyond my family. It's got to go beyond my flesh and blood. I mean, we can be generous with our children, our grandchildren, and we should be. But we need to reach beyond that and say, Lord, I want to be a generous person. And the only way to know that I'm not being ruled by the love of money is to know that I'm living a generous life, that I actually enjoy blessing people and I look for opportunities to be a blessing financially in somebody else's life. The Bible says this in the book of Ecclesiastes. This is a great verse. You can go home and look it up. I don't have the address, but it's the book of Ecclesiastes and this is what it says. It says, money answers everything. Now, it doesn't say money is the answer to everything. Because it's not. Jesus is the answer to everything. But it says money answers everything. What does that mean? Think about it like this. No matter what kind of problem you're going through, if you have sickness in your body, money is a blessing. Right? You're battling with something and you just miss a day of work because you had to go to the doctor and somebody gives you $20. How I many you know money answered that need? 
How many know that when you're emotionally overwhelmed, when you're overcome by life and just the struggles and the challenges and the trials of life overwhelm you, and somebody says, hey, I want to buy your dinner. How many know money just answered a need? It's amazing that no matter what your problem, money can provide an answer. It's not the answer. Jesus is the answer. Y'all hear me? But money is a answer. And it's amazing that when people are struggling and people are hurting and people are broken and people are wounded and people are recovering, it doesn't matter what their problem or their pain is, a financial gift sold strategically with love and compassion can make a big difference in somebody's life. Can I get an amen? How powerful that is. And what God does through generosity is God frees us from that love of money. Look at the scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 6 says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Listen to what the Bible says. The love of money, look what it says. It says it causes people to wander from the faith. Isn't that interesting? If you love money, the love of money draws you away from God. It draws you away from the faith that God has called us to live. It draws you away from living the life God has called us to live. Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, no one can serve two masters for you'll hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to the one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and what? You can't serve God in money. As a matter of fact, let me just say it like this. It is impossible for you to love God, love money and build the kingdom. Because if you love money, you won't build the kingdom. You know why? Because if you love money, greed stifles generosity. And you won't live a generous life. You won't get up every day looking for an opportunity to bless somebody and help somebody and serve somebody and make a difference in somebody's life. Again, if you want to raise the level of your living, get up every day and say, Lord, what can I do today to be a blessing in somebody else's life? Yes, start with your family, but don't stop with your family. Right? Start with your family. Husbands, let's bless our wives. Wives, why don't you bless your husbands? Parents, let's bless our kids. Kids, let's bless the parents, but let's not just stop with our family. Let's start there and move out beyond. And you want to raise the quality of life? You want to get excited about getting up every day? Then get up every day with an anticipation that says, God, who can I bless today? Something small, something big, it really doesn't matter. It's the act of generosity that breaks that spirit of greed and allows us to live the life God has called us to live. Look at that next point. Generosity not only breaks that stronghold, but generosity stores up treasure in heaven. It creates an eternal investment. Let me read this to you. On January the 8th, 1956, a 28-year-old missionary by the name of Jim Elliott was martyred with four of his partners and friends while they were trying to share the gospel with an unreached people group. And there's a great movie, by the way, it's called Point of the Spear. If you want to watch it, it depicts Jim Elliott's life and the testimony of their life as they literally died sharing the gospel with people that had never heard about Jesus. 
And Jim Elliott has this awesome quote. We're going to put it up on the screen for you. Jim Elliott made this statement. Look what he said. He said, a man is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. A man is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let me tell you this today. There's only one thing you can take to heaven, and that's people. One thing. There's only one thing you can take to heaven. And it's not silver and gold. It's not bigger houses and nicer cars. It's not bass boats. It's not four-wheel drives. It's not hunting guns. It's not dresses and purses and all that stuff. And none of that stuff is evil and wrong. All that stuff's wonderful. But if we are ruled by the love of money, we're going to miss out on eternity. (laughs) One day the Bible says this earth is going to be destroyed and everything in it is going to be consumed by fire and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. And Jim Elliott was a wise man. He said, if I give what I can't keep, and gain what I can't lose, that's a good investment. And that's a great way to live our lives. And all of a sudden, what Jesus said in the Gospels makes sense. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy. Let me give you one scripture you may not be real familiar with. Luke chapter 16, verse 9. Jesus tells the parable of what he calls a shrewd servant. And then he explains it. Here's the moral of the story, verse 9 of Luke 16. He said, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit who? Now that doesn't sound like what I'm being taught in the world today. The world says use your worldly resources to benefit you. And to heck with everybody else. But Jesus says use your worldly influences your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. And then when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. The they is not the possessions. The they are the people that you used your resources to benefit and to help. I want you to think about it like this. When you meet a physical need, you touch somebody's heart. And when you touch their heart, you open a door for the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, I love outreach ministries. I love helping people that are in need. We, we literally, from day one, 25 years ago, we said we're going to tithe on the tithe. We're going to take 10% of everything that comes into our church, and we're going to put it back out into our community to help people. I believe the church is not supposed to have its hand out to the world asking the world to build the church. I believe the church is supposed to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I love outreach because this is what I know. Every time we meet a need, we touch a heart. And every time you touch a heart, you open a spiritual door for the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ to go into that person's life. When Stephen said, hey, when Pastor Keith and Chris McCorder showed up at my house and prayed for a drug addict and his family, I didn't understand it. But I knew I was loved. I knew I was accepted. I knew I was seen. And now years later, that same man 
is sowing back into the lives of countless people, changing generations because somebody sowed a seed. When you meet a physical need, you touch a heart. When you touch a heart, you open a spiritual door. When you open a spiritual door, you can sow the seed of the gospel of Jesus. And you can make a difference. See, generosity allows us to store up treasure in heaven and make an eternal investment. See, there, there's an old song called Thank You, right? Thank you for giving to the Lord. Thank you for the sacrifices you made. Thank you because your gift, your generosity made a way for my life to now be in heaven. And when we get to heaven, how many of you know we're not going to be rejoicing, on how, rejoicing over how big our house was or how much money we had in the bank? When we get to heaven, we're going to be rejoicing on how many people we brought with us. That's going to matter. Amen? And that's the power of generosity. Look at that next point. Generosity not only lays up treasure in heaven, but generosity literally releases the blessing of God upon our lives right here, right now, on planet earth. And it enables us to experience the joy of giving. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will it be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. There it is again. The quality of our life is not determined by our earnings. The quality of our life is determined by our giving. Jesus says give and it will be given back, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men give unto your bosom. Let me give you some good news today. You can't out give God. Let me tell you what I know about generous people. Generous people are blessed people. If you live with a closed fist where you're so tightly holding on to everything that you have, you've just limited your ability to receive what God wants to do in your life. A closed fist is a, is a fist that is unreceptive to receiving what God wants to give. But when you live with an open hand, all of a sudden, God can give you more and more and more and more and more and more and more than you ever imagined. Because this is how you live to live a blessed life. This disconnects you from the blessing. This enables you to receive more and more of the blessing of God. How good is God, right? You know what I love about that simple thought of God's financial system. Everybody's earnings are different. And the truth is, some people are never going to earn as much money as other people. That's just the reality of life. But here's the good news of the gospel. Everybody can give. And everybody can give generously, whether you have $5 or $5 million. Everybody can give generously, whether you have $5 or $5 million. And that's what I love about the kingdom of God. It brings God's financial system down to a level where every single person, regardless of how much money you earn, you can raise the quality of your life and your living by your giving because everybody can give generously. And again, I'm not talking about tithing, right? We already took up the offering, guys. 
I'm not talking about tithing. That belongs to the Lord. I'm talking about what you do beyond that to make a difference in other people's lives. That's how we raise the bar of our living. That's how we receive what God has. And not only, again, think about it, not only does it release that blessing, but the joy of giving. In Acts 20, look what Paul says in Acts 20. He says, and now I entrust you to, to God, and now I entrust you to God and the message of His grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those He has set apart for Himself. And I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. And you know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. And I have a constant, and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. How do we help people in need? By working hard. I'm not just working to provide for my family. I'm working so I can meet the needs of other people. Man, that's that's a that's a paradigm shift. That's a, that's a whole different way of thinking and living. I'm not just working to provide for my family. That's what the world will tell you. Just provide for your family. Work, provide. No, I'm working not just to provide for my family. I'm working so I can have an abundance. More than enough to meet my family's needs so I can have seed to sow in the lives of other people. Why does the guy that I'm friends with that's a multimillionaire, why does he continue to work even though he's over 75 years old? You know why he gets up and goes to work every day? He's working for seed. He's working for seed. He don't need the money. But he knows there are people in our world today, people in our community, people in our churches that need the resources that he has been able to make. And he's not working to meet a need. He's working so he can have more seed to sow in the kingdom of God. How awesome is that? What a beautiful picture of what Christianity is all about. And then Paul says this. Look what he says there in that last part of that verse. He says, and you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. The joy of giving, right? Every parent in the room knows the joy of giving. The best thing on Christmas morning is not the gifts you get. It's the gifts you give. It's seeing your kids' faces. It's seeing other people's faces. The gift of, of the room at the end. The, the joy of seeing people, our neighbors who are homeless, having a warm place to stay, getting a warm meal, having somebody that loves them and somebody that affirms them, somebody that prays for them and somebody that cares for them. Man, that's, that's the greatest blessing you can get. The joy of giving. The joy of being a blessing in somebody else's life. Look at that next point. We are never more like God than when we give. If you want to be godly, be generous. Don't be foolish, but be generous. If you want to be godly, be generous. Why? Because we're never more like God than when we give. And every good thing that we have comes from the generous hand of God. James chapter 1, look what it says. Do not be deceived, my beloved brother. For every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, of whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. 
And of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So think about what James says. He says every good gift, every perfect gift comes from God. Every good thing you've ever received, you and I received. How many know not because we earned it or deserved it, but because God is gracious and God is kind. John 3.16, right? We all know that verse. For God so loved the world that he... You're never more like God than when you give. Because true generosity comes out of a heart of love that desires to benefit other people. I want to make a difference in somebody else's life. Now look at that last point. Generosity is a thoughtful, voluntary, and cheerful act of loving obedience to God. Generosity is a thoughtful, voluntary, cheerful act of loving obedience to God. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Because Paul gives us this definition. I want you to see this. Because I think sometimes we get these different ideas of what generosity is. But Paul gives us a very simple, very practical definition of what it means to live a generous life. He defines it for us here in the scripture. Look what he says in verse 6. He says, remember this. That a, father that a farmer that plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Paul, think about this, is reminding them of God's kingdom, God's financial principle. It's not our earnings, it's our giving. If I give sparingly, I reap sparingly. If I give generously, I reap generously. And then he tells us in verse 7 how we should give. Look what he says. He says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. So generosity is a thoughtful decision. I get to decide. You get to decide what are you going to give. Again, we're not talking about our tithe. The tithe belongs to the Lord. We're talking about what we do above that. We're talking about our generosity. We're talking about living a generous life. Paul says, hey guys, you get to decide. You need to think about it. You get to decide how much you're going to give. You get to decide what you're going to do. This is not by compulsion. This is not by pressure. This is your opportunity to make a thoughtful, spirit-led, God-led decision on how am I going to be a blessing to the people that are in my life. That circle of influence that I meet on a daily basis. How can I sow a seed and make a difference? I get to decide that. And then he goes on, look what he says. He says, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Right? Our generosity ought to be voluntary. Right? If you, let me just say it like this. If you feel pressure to give, don't give. If you feel pressure to give, don't give. Why? Because our giving should be thoughtful, not emotional. See, there's a thing in the, in the, in the, in the world, the business world, called buyer's remorse. You ever bought something and then when you drove the car home, you're like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? I gotta make this payment for the next 60 months. Buyer's remorse, right? You make a purchase and then before you even get home, you already regret making that decision. Let me tell you something. That's not how God wants you to live a generous life. He don't want you to live a generous life because He don't want you to live a life of regret. You don't give because you feel pressured to give. You don't give because you feel guilty if you don't give. No, you give out of a voluntary heart that says, hey, I want to love God and I want to love people. 
and I have more than enough to meet my needs, so I'm going to sow a seed in somebody else's life. So it's a thoughtful decision. It's a voluntary decision. And then last but not least, it's a cheerful decision. He says, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let me say it like this. If you can't give with joy, then don't give. If you can't give with joy, then don't give. Now, let me table that with this thought. If you can't give to anything with joy, <laughs> then you need to check your heart. <laughs> but the truth is, is everybody's not supposed to give to everything. Let me say that again. Everybody's not supposed to give to everything. And every need is not a need that you should meet. Think about it. We can all walk down the street and we can all walk by somebody in need. And if there's 10 people, there will be 10 responses to that person in need. And maybe you see that homeless person on the street and your heart breaks and you want to help them. Maybe you see that homeless person on the street and your heart breaks and you want to pray for them. Maybe you see that homeless person on the street and you don't even feel anything other than, man, I wonder how they got there. Let me tell you something. None of those responses are wrong. They're just different. Because every person needs to decide in their own heart what they're going to give, where they're going to give, how they're going to give, how much they're going to give, and they need to make sure they're giving out of a voluntary heart with a cheerful heart that says, I want to be a blessing to this person, and I can give this gift with no strings attached. And that's how we give. And that's how we live a generous, generous life. I want to give you one scripture. We're going to close. Thank you all for your patience today. Psalms 112 verse 9 says this. This verse is the verse where we got the name for our outreach ministries. Our local outreach ministry here at Liberty Church. Miss Lily, I want you to raise your hand in the back back there. Right back there, Miss Lily leads our local outreaches here. We got the name for our outreach ministry from this verse. Look what it says. They share freely and they give generously to those in need. And their good deeds will be remembered forever. We call our local outreach Forever Outreach. Because when you share freely and give generously, your good deeds will be remembered forever. Why? Because we're not just storing up treasure on earth. We're storing up treasure in heaven. And then it says this, and they will have influence and honor. Because every time we meet a natural need, we touch a heart, and we open the door for the gospel. I want to just challenge us in this today. Why don't we go ahead and stand to our feet? We're going to go into our last song of worship. I want our prayer team to come. I want to just challenge all of us this morning. I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I living a generous life? And I'm not talking about just frivolously giving to anything and everything. I'm talking about thoughtfully, purposely, prayerfully living a generous life. Thoughtfully, purposely, prayerfully living a generous Am I living a generous life? Let me tell you what Kelly and I have recognized over the years. We've recognized that we'll kind of raise the bar on our generosity. And then we kind of get complacent. <laughs> we kind of get comfortable. You know, this is kind of what we do. 
And the Lord just reminded me this week, he said, Keith, he said, if you don't keep raising the bar on what you do in the area of generosity, then there comes a point where you're really not generous anymore. I'm just doing what I've always done. And here's what happens. When you do what you've always done, it removes the thoughtful, purposeful, prayerful aspect out of it. Man, we, we need to look at our lives. We need to look at our finances and anything that's above our need. We need to say, God, Lord, this is seed. What do you want us to do with it? And how can we be a blessing? How can we live a generous life? I, I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't fully know what it looks like for Kelly and I. We're always trying to dive deeper into that and reevaluate that in our lives. But I want to just challenge you. Are you living that generous life? Because I hope that God enlarges our generosity. And I hope that God does something in us that takes us to another level where we say, you know what, God, we're going to be that church that helps people. And I'm going to be that person that helps people. We're going to be that family that helps people. Well, what a blessing for your children to know that as a family, you're a generous family. What, what a blessing. What a great way to raise our kids where they see generosity in our home and generosity as we give and reach out and love and help people. So I want to do this. We're going to go in this last song. I want to just open the altar. Maybe you need prayer for a million reasons today. We'd love to pray with you. If you're struggling, if you're dealing with something today, we'd love to agree with you in prayer. Maybe you've got a loved one, you've got a friend, you've got a co-worker that doesn't know the Lord, and maybe you just want to pray for them this morning. We would love to pray with you today. So if you need prayer for any reason, the altar's open. As we go into this last song. Every time I fall, you're there to care. 
this morning and maybe you're watching online and you realize Pastor Keith you're talking about generosity you're talking about all these things but maybe you realize this morning maybe you realize you've never experienced the generous grace of God the grace of God the Bible says that saves us the grace of God that redeems us the grace of God that reaches down in that while we were still sinners the Bible says Jesus died for us and if you've never experienced that saving grace of God, and if you've never experienced what it means to have your sins forgiven and your future settled through faith in Jesus Christ, then the Bible says today is your day. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says, and now is the appointed time. For God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, I want to accept that grace today. I want to be saved and I want to receive the grace of God that brings salvation into my life. If that's you, just raise your hand. Just slip your hand up. Just a little act of faith, a simple act this morning that says, today I want to be saved. Today I want to receive the grace of God that brings salvation. Today I want to begin again a brand new life in Christ if that's you just raise your hand I'd love to pray with you our ushers have a little packet we'd love to just slip in your hand today we want to walk with you on this journey of faith if you're watching online this morning we want to pray with you today so let's just say this prayer together let's say it out loud dear Heavenly Father I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again 
on the third day. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I repent of my sins. And I turn to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, the Bible says you just got born again. Welcome to the family. We love you. God bless you. We're going to continue to pray with these that are here in the altar. But you are dismissed. Have a great, great day in the Lord. We love you guys.